see everybody today. We want to just take a moment before we get started to welcome you and say thank you so much for being here. If you're a guest with us today, uh, it's just a great honor to have you here. Uh, we hope you enjoy the time of worship and uh, just the time we're going to spend looking in God's Word. And in the pew in front of you is a connection card. And for those who come every week, you, you know what we use this for. If you're a guest with us, maybe just take a minute and explain a little bit about this. Uh, this connection card is a way for you to communicate with us, man, if there's uh, something going on in your life, you just need some prayer about some stuff, maybe God's working, and uh, you just want to know what the next step is. This is a great way to communicate with your pastors. And if you're a guest with us, we would love for you just to mark down, hey, I'm a, I'm a first-time guest. It's uh, there on the card. You'll see it. Maybe second time, third time, whatever the case is, just so we know uh, that you're here with us. And again, we want to say welcome and thank you so much for being here today. Last week, we began a series entitled Victory in the book of Joshua. And victory is an important thing in our life. And, and a lot of times when, when you come to church, usually you're trying to forget about the week you just had, and, and maybe you walked in today, and, and maybe you're trying to forget about everything that's going on next week. But I'm going to ask that we do something just a little bit different this morning and, and kind of think about your life for a minute. Think about everything that, that went on in the last week of your life. Think about some things that are coming up for you, maybe next week, maybe next month, whatever the case is, just your life. And how many would say, I'm going to ask you to be just bold and raise your hand, how many would say, man, there's some areas where I need some victory in my life? You know, there's just a lot of us, right? And, and hands go up unashamed all over the place to say, you know, it's true, man, if I, if I think about just the challenges that I had last week, and man, if I think about all the things that are, that are coming up, there's just some areas Man, where I need to gain some victory, and I need to have God work in such a way that he really brings me through. Maybe it's a big challenge that you have or a struggle. I don't know necessarily what it, what it is or what it might be, but, but know that God knows, man, and, and God really does. He really does want to lead you through. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, and, and we're going to look at gaining victory in, in difficult circumstances. And right away in your notes, you'll, you'll find a blank that says, uh, it's not through circumstances. And so when I was just kind of working with the title of this message and, and, and trying to understand a little bit about what it means to gain some victory and what it means when, when, when we need God to do something in our life and, and how we accomplish that, and, and understand it's not through every single difficult circumstance you go through that there's some great victory. I, really, I wish there was. I wish it was that easy, but it's just not always the case. Sometimes we go through things and we wonder, man, I wonder why we went through that. That was just tough. Sometimes there's not necessarily an answer right away. You know, maybe it's because God is instructing us. Maybe it's because of our own sin that we're going through a difficult time and difficult circumstance. So maybe we're, we're learning something. Maybe the, the idea is not that there's some great victory that comes from it, but that God instructs us in our life. And sometimes it just doesn't always happen. And, and the old saying goes, man, bad things happen to good people. And so many times there's not always answers to things that go on in our life. And so it's not through every single thing that, that there's some big giant victory. But in our life, man, there's a lot of things that we need to gain victory. And there's a lot of things that God wants us to lead us through. And then we're in the book of Joshua. And Joshua, man, was in a, a difficult place. He had a, a, a whole host of people he was a new leader to them in a, in a sense, at least on this level, and he had a, a little task in front of him, which was destroy everybody that lies between you and the promised land. That was a lot. A lot of soldiers, a lot of generals, a lot of kings, a lot of people. 
I want to understand a key principle right away before we jump into our text this morning. I want to tell you this, and I hope this encourages you. Man, in your life, in what you have going on, and everybody raise their hand, maybe you could kind of say what that was in your mind and in your heart. I want to say this to you. Man, don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself short of what God has for you. And if you look, before we jump in, we're going to be in Joshua 2, but before we go there, if you flip back to Joshua 1, we, we gain some understanding here. Joshua 1 and verse 10. See, I understand there was a couple of, of tribes that sold themselves short. Two and a half tribes, exactly. One was Reuben, one was Gad, and then eventually kind of half the tribe of, of Manasseh jumped in there as well. And, and while they did some good things, ultimately they, they sold themselves short of where God wanted them to be. And, and I want to encourage you today, man, if, if God's taking you in a direction and, man, you're just going through some stuff and you need to gain some victory, man, don't settle. Don't sell yourself short for what God has for you. And we find in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the host, this is in verse 11, pass through the host and command the people saying, prepare you victuals for within three days ye shall, ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh Joshua spoke saying, remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you. And that goes back to uh, Numbers chapter 32, and he's, he's referencing that and, and what was going on there. And in Numbers chapter 32 is now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, then behold, that place, which was a place for cattle, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came unto Moses and, and unto Eleazar the priest and said unto the princes of the congregation, saying, the rest of chapter 32 goes on to say about this deal. And so what happened is you have these, these tribes that they... Man, they're on their way to victory. They're on their way to the promised land, to what God has for them. They get to a spot in their life, and they say, Oh, this looks pretty good here. We don't have to go stay over there. Full knowing what God had for them, full knowing the, the promise that he made, the land that he had already given them to possess, to live in, as it's told, the land that flows with milk and honey, they know that's in front of them. Are there some difficulties in between? Sure there are. But they sell themselves short. They say, I don't know, this looks okay. Now understand, they were, they were cattle farmers, as we would call them, by trade, and so they're looking around and they're like, I don't know, man, the grass is pretty green. There's some nice shade trees. There's a lot of water. I think we'll just stay here. And they sold themselves short of the blessing that God had for them. You say, well, why did they do that? And maybe they were walking by sight, not by faith. They saw the fields. They said, man, this works for me. And they settled. And at the end of the day, man, they were outside of the land of promise. They, they were content just to live on the border. And you say, well, how did that work out? Well, if you would fast forward to Joshua 22, you would find it caused problems. And understand, man, anytime you live just on the border, just on the edge of what God wants for you, it's going to cause problems. Don't sell yourself short of the blessings that God has. He wants so much for you to... Do whatever it is he's called you to do and live a life that he's called you to live. And how many times do we sell ourselves short just being content with living on the border of where God wants us? 
You know, at the end of the day, man, God wants his people to be like the new generation of Israelites in the book of Joshua. It's kind of a picture for us, man. They, they trusted God and they, they entered the land. They, they claimed the victory and they enjoyed the blessings. Man, at the end of the day, I pray that's what you want for your life. Maybe you're going through some difficult times. Maybe you have some struggles. Maybe it's kind of hard to, to get to where you need to go. Maybe where you're at, you're like, I don't know, it's, it's okay here. I mean, it's fine here. I'm comfortable here. Don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself short of where God wants you. Now over to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. We'll get started there this morning. Let's read Joshua chapter 2. We're going to read most of the chapter, but we'll start with just verse uh, 1 right now. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Which, if you're like me when you read this, you think, that's exactly where the chosen people of God would go. I would expect them to go hang out at the harlot's house. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Before we talk about that, let's pray for a moment. God, we do come to you today, and, and we really are just so thankful that you've allowed us the time in here to, to open up your Bible and to study your word. And, and God, I do pray that, that we gain some, some real instruction this morning, God, we're just going to look at some principles that'll, that'll help us in our life when it comes to gaining victory. And, and God, while these are... Our okay principles, God, it's, it's not a magic potion. God, it's not a, you just don't do these things and all of a sudden everything in life is good. It's, it's far bigger than that. But God, today as we spend some time just looking at some practical ways that we can gain victory in our life, God, I pray you would use it. Lord, I, I do pray, God, that, that your word truly does speak to us. God, it speaks to our hearts. For God, I know that if people just take a few principles of what man says, it'll last for, for a little while, but then it'll fade away. God, what I do know is those that, that follow your word, man, and, and gain instruction directly from you, that's what lasts. That is what is never changing. So God, I pray today, Lord, I pray that very thing, that we gain instruction from your word. God, I pray you would Grow us, God, for every person in here that, that raised their hand this morning and said, yeah, I can think of a few things where I need a little victory, man, where I need to gain some victory. God, I pray, Lord, uh, there's so many hands, I don't know how many there were. I certainly don't know the need of every one of them, but God, every hand that went up and every concern that was on somebody's heart or every thought that was in their mind, when, when their hand went up, you know it, God, and I pray you would work in it. Lord, I pray you would encourage today. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our lives, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, what a place to go. So they, they kind of get in and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Jericho, and we're going to go stay at the harlot's house. Everybody in? One, two, three, go. It, it was a very odd plan. But as we'll find, it was a perfect plan. It was a God-led plan. And so we, we come to this house of a harlot. Her name is Rahab. And what I want to tell you this morning in the world of, of gaining victory in difficult circumstances, uh, the first thing is, is don't focus on your past. Don't focus on your past. Right away, we find an individual who has a very sordid past. Harlot was her description, and that description held throughout the Bible. So well, what is a harlot? If you define harlot, that would be a, a prostitute or a very promiscuous woman. The spies go, they stay there. You say, again, why would they stay there? Well, understand, at this house, nobody's doing a whole lot of talking. Nobody's walking in and saying, hey, Joe, how you doing? It's good to see you again. Hey, Tom, man, good to see you. Nobody's talking in this house. 
This isn't a house where you would just go and hang out and make friends. So the spies went because, hey, everybody was looking down. Nobody looked either direction for the most part. And understand there's no conflict in biblical translation here of the harlot's house, her name being Rahab. Many times in other versions of the Bible it would say they went to an innkeeper's house and they try to kind of clean up the story a little bit. And understand, man, it's not our job to clean up the story. It's our job to hear what God says and how he uses people and what he does. And this was a harlot, this was a prostitute at that time who lived on the edge of society. Her house built on the very walls of Jericho. So that's an odd place for her house. Why would it be there? Well, there's some reasoning. If she's right on the very wall of Jericho, she sees all the new travelers coming in. She sees all the people going out. She knows what's going on in that city. She had her eyes peeled and open of everything that was happening. You know, maybe this is why Rahab felt so vulnerable for the attacks that would come from the Israelites. Perhaps she was thinking, man, I'm right here on the wall. Now, did she know the walls were going to come tumbling down as, as the story goes? Maybe not at this point, but, but she had to think, man, I'm kind of right on the front lines here. I'm on the wall, so I need to see what's going on and how I can not perish. You know, Rahab, at the end of the day, man, she was a survivor. She was accustomed to figuring the odds in situations. You may think, how could God use someone with, with such a horrible past to do such great things for him? Because if we're all honest and we're sitting in here today and we read chapter 2 of, of Joshua and we read verse 1 and, and we read the spies went and stayed at the harlot's house and, and we're gonna, as we read the text, we're going to see how God used Rahab in just an incredible and in a mighty way. And you think, man, how could God use someone like that to do something so great for him? Well, what I want to tell you today is, is, you see, that's what God does. He reaches down to, to rotten old people and he willingly uses them to accomplish his will. God did it then and God still does it now. And I want to tell you today, man, if you're in here and you say, yeah, but man, you don't know my past. You don't know what all I've done. It, it doesn't matter because God will still use you to accomplish his will. Say, well, man, I'm, I'm, I'm saved and, and I've accepted Christ and I've, I've done those things. But, but because of everything else, you don't understand. Listen to me. God will use you to accomplish his will. Don't focus on your past. There's one being that wants you to focus on your past in order to paralyze you for doing things that God wants you to do. And let me tell you something, it's not God. Man, Satan loves nothing more than to take saved, redeemed people and freeze them because of their past. And say, man, I can't go talk to somebody about Jesus. You don't know my past doesn't matter. Man, I can't help in this area or volunteer in this ministry. You don't know my past. doesn't matter. Man, God will use you. Don't focus on your past. You know, Rahab could have certainly felt unworthy to help the spies. I mean, we're, we're going to see that in, in just a moment, how she helps them. But she could have easily seen these guys coming and said, oh man, these, this is them, the chosen people of God. Who am I? And just turned away and ignored the situation, what was going on. But, but she didn't do that. See, there was something she understood, as we'll see in just a moment. She heard the stories. 
She believed what was going to happen. She, she could have focused on her past, but instead she was looking to her future. She could have said, well, because of who I am, because of my occupation, because of my life, I deserve to fall with the rest of this city, the rest of these people. But she didn't do that. Let me tell you something today, folks. If you're in here, man, and God is is working in your heart and and taking you in a direction and and you're just so tied to your past and and what happened in your past, if it's preventing you from looking ahead, man, lay that down to God today. Lay that down on the altar today and, and, and get rid of it. You say, you expect me to just forget? Well, no, not not forget. We don't forget. Even David says it. He says, man, my sin is always before me. Hey, God forgets. We don't. Why? Don't do it again. Man, you can lay it down. It doesn't have to paralyze you. It doesn't have to hold you back in your life anymore. There's an old saying that goes this way. Just because the past taps you on the shoulder, it, it doesn't mean you have to look back. So many times we're, man, moving forward in our walk, and so many times we're moving forward with what God wants us to do, and, and man, Satan's just really good at saying, hold on now, you remember how you used to talk? You remember how you used to act? Hold on now. You don't have to look back at that. It's been forgiven, and if you know Christ as Lord in your life, and you walk in a personal relationship, and it's been forgiven, it's gone, it's done. And move forward and live a life that, that God's called you to live. I love the old hymn, man. The world behind me, the cross before me. Man, the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Through Christ, we have all ability to walk that walk and, and live that life he's called us to live. If you're struggling with your past again, man, let it go. Move forward with Jesus being the new focus. And understand this, if, if you're going to do that and you say, okay, how do I let things in my past go and how do I move forward? You've got to change your focus. You've got to change your focus. You, you, you can't focus on the things of your past and move forward. Man, that's just going to, that's going to bound you. That's going to tie you up. That's going to enchain you and imprison you. Your focus has to be on Christ. Your focus has to be ahead on Him. Secondly, if you want to gain some some victory in in difficult circumstances, not only do you have to forget your past, but you have to know who to trust. You have to know who to trust. There's a big question here, as we'll we'll read in the text, and it, it would maybe appear that Rahab tells a little lie. So let's read on in Joshua chapter 2. Let's read uh, through verse 9, and we'll see what happens. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither to the night of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house. For they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. She said, I wist not whence they were. In Greek, that means, I don't know where they went. They were here, but now they're gone. No idea. In verse 5, and it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out 
Whether the men went, I want not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. Hey, it's a go get them, guys, go get them. But, this is in verse 6, she brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. And that your terror. This, is, this, this explains why she's doing what she's doing. The spies land at her house. She hides them up to this point. We don't really know why. Is she just being a nice person? Well, verse 9 tells us why she's doing what she's doing. She says, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She says, I know who you are. More importantly, I know whose you are. You belong to the Lord. We've heard about you. We've heard stories about you. Because of her understanding, the, the soldiers of Jericho come and she says, I don't know, I think they went that way. I bet you can catch him if you go right now and leave. Rahab was smart. Rahab was smart, but the... question is, did she, did she lie? And it's interesting because as we'll see at the end of, of, the, of the message today, man, Rahab was placed in one of the most incredible chapters in the Bible, placed in the heroes of faith that we'll read about. And in fact, to go a step further, Rahab was one of only two women placed in that passage. The other woman was a lady by the name of, of Sarah, Abraham's wife, brought Isaac into the world. Sarah, ah, you know, shining halo. One lady named in, in Hebrews chapter 11. The other, Rahab the harlot? That's interesting. So very different. One, a, a godly woman who lived this pretty amazing life. One was a, a lying, scheming woman who sold her body for money. They didn't have much in common. But there's one thing that they did have in common. They both exercise saving faith in the true and living God. Rahab could have easily looked at her life, everything that she'd done, who she was, and she could have easily said, God, you can't use me. You can't use me. I know everything I've done. I don't even deserve anything from you. Man, but she didn't do that. Abraham and Abraham's wife, Sarah, and Rahab did not have much in common, but they both exercised that faith. You say, well, what's your point? And again, hear me. If there's something to hear today, please hear this. It does not matter 
who you are. It does not matter where you're from or what you have done because there is grace and love at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and, and you say, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not walking in that relationship with Christ. Maybe you just walked in here and this is your first time and you just knew you had to come to church today and you don't, maybe you don't really know why. Maybe you've been coming to church for years and, and, and just playing the game for years. It's real easy to do that. I did it for a, almost 23 years of my life. I came to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. So I understand that you can come to church and, and play the church game and do all the church stuff and, and not walk in that relationship with Christ. But, but understand today, if you walk in that relationship with Christ, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Man, there is grace. There is love at his feet. Maybe you need that today. Maybe you don't have that. Maybe you say, I, don't, I need that in my life. Well, we'll talk about how you can get that in, in just a few moments. But man, Rahab, Rahab was a believer. So look again in, in verse 9. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And if you look closely... In your Bible there in verse 9, you'll see Lord is all capital letters. Now, there, there's a reason. There's times when it's used that way and times when it's not. When it's used that way, it's, it's for a very specific reason. See, Lord in all caps was, was, was translated was Hebrew. It was Yahweh, Jehovah. The same name given to Moses at the burning bush when Moses asked, okay, you're telling me to do this, but who do I say sent me? And if you read in Exodus chapter 3, in verse 13, and then Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them that God, the God of your fathers, has sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent you. I am Yahweh, Jehovah, the one and true living God. So what you had in the Old Testament, and, and why this is, is so important in, in, this, in this text, is in the Old Testament you would have all these areas broken down, and in all of these areas you would have, uh, maybe it was over in another land, and in this small area they would have a God over that area. And so the people who lived in that area, they would pray to that God. He would have a different name, whatever his powers were, whatever. Okay, so maybe you're in another part of the map, and you lived in an area, and you had a God in that area. And so you would pray to that God who, who covered kind of that map. I mean, figure, kind of think about it this way. Okay, in the state of Ohio, we would have a God, and we would pray to that God. And now if we went to West Virginia, we would pray to another God there. Don't know what he would be. If we went to Alabama, we would pray. You know, so so it was, it was a, there's a word called localized deity. And so in each area, there was a deity that would oversee that area. That was the thought of people. That was the belief of people. And Rahab says, wait a minute, I know whose you are. You are the Lord, man, capital L-O-R-D, the great I am, Yahweh, Jehovah, God. Why this was so important? At this, because at that time, man, there had been all kinds of gods in other areas, but, but what was changing is, is, is Yahweh, the God of the nations, is coming. And our God, 
He's not just for an area. He's not just in a small place, man. Our God is, is great enough, man. Yahweh, Jehovah, the great I am. He is great enough for everyone who will accept Him. You don't have to live in a certain place. You don't have to talk a certain way. You don't have to... However you want to classify Him. And God was coming. The God of the nations was coming. Say, so, yeah, but did she lie? That's kind of the question. If Rahab is in fact in Hebrews chapter 11, you're telling me there's a liar in the hall of faith? I mean, we read the text. She says, oh yeah, I don't, I don't know where they went, guys, but I bet if you leave right now and go really fast, you'll catch them maybe that way. understand on one hand she certainly demonstrated her faith in the Lord by risking her life to protect the spies there is no doubt about it had those spies been caught in her house she would have been in big trouble but on the other hand I don't know she acted kind of like we would expect her to act and you think about it this way and this was kind of new for her Understanding who the Lord is and his love and grace. It was all somewhat new to her. Maybe we're expecting a little much from a, a new believer whose knowledge of God was adequate for salvation, but limited when it came to the practical things in life. All right, so all Rahab knew was that's you, you guys belong to Jehovah, so I'm with you. That's what she knew. This place is going to be destroyed and you're going to wreak havoc on it. I know it because I know who your Lord is. Man, he is, I am. Jehovah God. I'm with you guys. I mean, obviously, lying is wrong. We find in Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. But the, the fact is Rahab's faith was real. She put it into action by risking her life for those spies. You know, we're talking about knowing who to trust and trusting in the right person. You know, the spies trusted. Of all the places they could have gone to hide or to to camp out for the amount of time that they were there. They chose Rahab's house. They chose wisely. They knew who to trust. Not only did the spies trust the right person and Rahab, she trusted the right men. The spies came in. She hit them. She could have thought... Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I thought, I don't know, maybe I need to think about this. Maybe I need to think about why it's so important to trust the right people. I don't know, maybe, I mean, I don't know, these are just two guys of an army I've never seen. 
of a God who I've just heard of. But Jericho, this army, this is real. Maybe I... Guys, they're up on the roof. Hidden up under the stalks of flax. Man, she could have second-guessed. We probably wouldn't have faulted her for it in the situation. But Rahab trusted the right men. I like to say that that's kind of always the case in the spies, and they, they, they knew who to trust. They trusted the right person, and, and, it, and it worked that way throughout Joshua over and over and over. They, they trusted the right people. They trusted the right people. They trusted the right people. But we find that that wasn't always the case and understand remember one of the keys in gaining victory in difficult circumstances is is knowing who to trust and students I'm going to tell you this right now man if you'll just focus in with me for a minute the 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 sooner in your life you learn to trust the right people the better off you're going to be all right and you say well how do we do that because man there's so you're saying every every is it that important it's that important right it's that important that you know who to trust in your life, you trust the wrong people, you're going to live a messed up life. Know who to trust. We find an example, if you'll turn with me a few pages to Joshua chapter 9. So we see an example where they did well. The spies trusted in the right woman, the women trusted in the right men, everything seems to be working out okay, at least as of chapter 2 and verse 9. So far, so good. All right, so we'll take a pause in that story, and let's, let's look at a place where it didn't work out so well. In Joshua chapter 9, we find another story, and we'll pick it up in verse 3. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wily. All right, what that means, think of wily coyote. All right, they were sneaky. They were crafty. They went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and old and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We become from a far country. Now therefore make a league with us. So here's what they did. They knew what was coming. Joshua and his army were, were, were days, weeks away from them. They didn't want to die. So they said, all right, here's what we'll do. Let's act like we've come from a long, long way away, and we've come because we, we've heard of them and, 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 and who God is and, and what he's done, and, and we're going to trick them, and, and we'll say we've joined them. And so we'll get some old moldy bread. We'll make our clothes look real old, like we've just been journeying for weeks and for weeks and for weeks and for weeks. So in verse 6, they went unto Joshua and unto the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We become from a far country. Now therefore make a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye? So he asked a good question. And from whence come ye? Another good question. And they said unto him, From a very far country, 
Thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord, see it all capital again there, thy God, for we have heard the fame of him in all of Egypt, and are in all that he did in Egypt. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sion, king of Heshbon, to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. This is in verse 11 now. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go and meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants. Therefore now make a league with us. So they tried to show a little proof in their lie. He says, This is our bread. We took it hot for our provision out of the houses on the day we came forth and going to you. But now, behold, it's dry and it's moldy. He said, we're from so far away. All I know is when I left my house, my bread was hot and fresh. And we've been journeying so long. Now it's old and moldy. See how far we've gone for you. And these bottles of wine... This is in verse 13. And these bottles of wine which we filled were new. And behold, they be rent. And these are garments and our shoes and become old by reason of the very long journey. And the men took of their victuals. This is verse 14's key. And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. Didn't work out so well, and you can read later and see exactly how. We'll talk about it a little bit. But they tricked him. So wait a minute, that's not fair. And understand why this was so important. Back in the book of, of Exodus, in chapter twenty-three, do not, do not join forces with anybody in the land that you're going to take over. Go in destroy, claim the land. Now this was important because they said, well, wait, well they know, maybe they knew, okay, wait, they can't join with us because we're of Canaan. So let's act like we're not, let's act like we're from real far away. That way they can join with us. Say, so, well, that's not fair, that's not Joshua's fault. These guys, I mean, they had moldy bread. They had old clothes. They tricked them. Hey, welcome to the real world. And I want to tell you guys something that be on guard when it comes to knowing who to trust. There's a lot of folks out there that want to deceive you and to trick you. And you say, well, how, how can we, how do we know who to trust? How do we know? Look at verse 14 again. And the men took of their victual and asked not counsel at the mouth of of the Lord. You want to gain some insight about knowing who to trust in your life. Do what they didn't do. Man, get on your face and talk to God. And honestly, this is, is for all of us. So many times we have situations going on in our life and, and people come in and out of our life and, and sometimes we, we, we just trust the wrong people. And, and man, if you're in a difficult situation and you trust the wrong person, it's going to be a long, long road ahead of you. Man, I thought they were my friend. I thought they were here to help me. And I mean, that's a huge discussion I know, so we're not entering that discussion. I'm just saying, when it comes to knowing 
when it comes to having some understanding about who you need in your life. Man, seek the Lord. Ask Him. Trusting the wrong people leaves a long, long road ahead. And thirdly, so first we have, hey, don't focus on your past. You want to get through those difficult, you want to have some victory in those difficulties, don't focus on your past. Know who to trust. Seek the Lord in that. Maybe you have something going on in your life and you, and you say, man, I, just, I need some advice. I need some godly counsel. I'll just go ask this person. Well, I don't, oh, they look. Okay, I'll go ask that person. You don't do it blindly, man. Seek the Lord. Thirdly, gaining some victory, see it through. See it through. We, we talked in the very beginning about not stopping short and not selling out and not losing what God has for you in the long run. And I just want to reiterate that to you this morning. See it through. Understand Rahab did not let her fear affect her faith in God's ability to deliver. I mean, she was, she was, she was all in at this point. She lied to the armies of Jericho. If she had been caught or found out, trouble would have been serious, probably death. Rahab at any moment could have changed her mind. She could have went forward and said, you know, king, here's the truth. But she didn't. She saw it through. And let's pick it back up now in Joshua chapter 2 and let's pick up in verse 10. She says, for we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did under the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom were utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Again, it was this idea. It wasn't just this one little God in this one little location. This was the God for everywhere. Heaven above, earth beneath, Total, Jehovah, God. Verse 12, now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. Again, now Rahab was smart. Man, because of her life, because of who she was, she, she was smart. She knew how to figure things. She knew how to count the odds. And she says, hey, spies, old buddy, old pal. Since I helped you, why don't you help me? It's fair. She didn't want to die. She didn't want her family to die. She knew what was coming. She says, since I have showed you kindness, you will also, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. Verse 13, and that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brethren, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours. If you utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us this land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. They said, deal. In verse 15. And she said unto them, get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned. And afterward, may you go your way. And the men said unto her, we will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. 
Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread into the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. They said, hey, you got to see it through. If you want, it's a deal, but you got to see it through. And she said in verse 21, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet line in the window. You know, Rahab had a task to complete. It wasn't just hide the spies, lie to the bad guys, and then it was done. There was a lot of people coming in and out of her house. A lot of people traveling. Don't talk about it. Don't share it. I'm sure the soldiers were around a lot, Rahab. If you you talk about it, the deal's off. She said, I know. It's a deal. The same scarlet cord that the spies climbed down to the wall, off into the woods on, was the same cord that would hang there until later in Joshua. See, there was something important she had to do. She had specific instructions. And it came in the form of a, of a scarlet cord. And, and understand, this scarlet cord pictures something greater. You know, it runs throughout the Bible. You talk about the scarlet thread of the Bible, the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's a, probably a great message for another day. But just know, there is huge significance in the scarlet thread. Scarlet reminding us of the blood of Jesus. Those who marked their door with the blood of the Lamb and the Passover, they were saved. The, the scarlet cord hanging from the window representing, Hey, I'm with you guys. Don't hurt me, in a sense. Salvation, I don't want to die. Because understand where the scarlet cord is evident, there is life. Where the scarlet cord is evident, there is life. If Rahab had not seen it through, then the story of Rahab may have looked a little different. If she had gone through with hiding the spies and telling the lie and Maybe the soldiers would have came up and said, what do you got that cord hanging in the window for? We don't hang anything off these walls. I don't know that that happened. We're just talking. Oh, yeah, you're right. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that was doing there. There's probably a lot of ways she could have stopped short and not seen it through. There's a lot of ways she could have changed her story as the days went on. Maybe Rahab's story would have been different. Now, the story of the Israelites would not have changed because anytime you, you read about them coming into the promised land, you, you always see the word given. If you flip back uh, just a page in Joshua chapter 1, right away in verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given. If you go to uh, verse number 6, be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance of the land which I swear unto thy fathers to give them, if you go to verse 11, giveth on and on and on through this book, you'll see that God says, it's already yours, you just have to go and claim it. I've already given it to you. It never does it say, all right, if you go and do this, if you go and do this, if you go and do this, okay, Joshua, 
army Israelites, then you may have it. He said, it's yours. I've given it to you. You just got to go and claim it. Now, were there some difficulties in between? Sure. But it had already been given to them. See, Rahab, going through very difficult circumstances, not only did she let go of her past, not only did she know who to trust, but she did not stop pursuing her calling. Rahab saw it through. Maybe in your life today, maybe you got the whole past thing knocked out. Maybe it's put away, man. It's, it's gone. It doesn't affect you or bother you anymore. And perhaps you've, through life, gained some discernment, and you know who to trust. You know the, the godly people to, to talk to and, and gain counsel from. And, but maybe today you're not so good at seeing things through. Maybe today, maybe God, man, has called you to some stuff in your life. Man, it could be as as important as, man, maybe God's laid on one of your hearts to go talk to one of your friends about Christ. And you're like, I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that next week. And maybe for others in here, God's called you to something in your life, and you're like, yep, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Are you seeing the things through that God has called you to? We want to give some perspective to this because this can track one way very easily. But understand, there are some difficulties in life that that you just weren't meant to win. Yay, I know that sounds encouraging. (laughs) But there's just sometimes we go through things, and after we go through them, we're like, I don't know why we went through it. It was just awful. I don't know why I did. But all I know is I'm glad I'm through it. I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it's done. We don't always get things our way. Sometimes seeing something through means letting something go and moving on. Think about, think about it like this. It's becoming a good steward of your energy and where you invest your life. Because there's something every one of us in this room have in common. And that is we all have one life on this present earth. Would everybody agree with me on that? If you raise your hand and tell me something different, then you should probably be up here preaching, not me. Because <laughs> I don't know what you are. All right, we all have this one life to live on this earth. We have, we have this one span, whatever it may be. And understand, man, if you come to church week after week after week and you're not actively engaged in the battle of bringing people to Jesus and making disciples of all nations, you're not fulfilling your life. Man, there's so much that God allows us to do. There's so much that God allows us to be a part of. But we've just got this one life. We just have this one span of time. Are you actively engaged in the battle? We get this chance to do something with our life. And you may say, well, hey, wait, I'm, I'm coming to church and, and that's a huge victory for me. Okay, that's, that's fair for some for now. Maybe you're kind of new to this thing and, and just getting here on Sunday. Maybe you walk in the doors and you're like, I have made it, thank goodness. That's a victory. Okay, good. That's awesome. For now. But as you grow, there's more to your life. 
God doesn't necessarily need another body in a church pew to keep it warm, man. He needs soldiers that are willing to lay down their cross and pick up His and use our life. Are you seeing through what God's called you to do? Oh, there's always tomorrow. There's always next week. Soon there won't be. One day there won't be a tomorrow to do something. One day there won't be a next day to do something. Are you actively doing and seeing through what God has called you to do. We must become good stewards and see the right things through. You know, Rahab, she chose wisely. There's no doubt about it. She let go of her past real quick, real fast. She learned who to trust in a moment. She didn't quit. She saw it through. And there's a, another factor in seeing it through that I, I hope it'll kind of help you. And this is just something that I've just learned in my life because I'm, if you talk to my wife, she'll tell you, I'm like way up and way down in things. And, and so what happens is, you know, maybe, you know, it, it, all right, where you're at right now, maybe there was a, missions conference, a Bible conference, maybe a Sunday morning message, maybe something in your life group, or maybe your personal time with God, right where you were, you learned something real fast, God spoke to you, and he gave you a real clear line of where he wants you to be. And he says, and God says to you, I know you're here right now, and I know this may seem like a big leap, but this is where I want you to be. Now that may look different, for all of us. Now, in seeing things through, here's where it's been a challenge for me. Because of my personality, when I see clearly where God wants me, and I see that line that he's made and that path, you would think, that's real easy, man. Just stay on the line. That's where he wants you to go. Just stay there. Okay, I have this thing called flesh and brain. It makes it tough. For me, it's like, yes, man, that's where God wants me. That's what he wants me to do. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm not going to do that. No, it's going to be wonderful. Okay, let's do it. Is this not true? Becky deals with this like all the time. It's going to be wonderful. No, it's terrible. You're crazy. What are you thinking? No, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. So, and and understand, because personalities are different, maybe yours is more like that. Maybe you don't have the big highs and the big lows when trying to to go where God wants you to go and do what God wants you to do. It it affects us all differently, but we have our our flesh and our mind that are constantly battling with what God says. In seeing things through, here's 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 what I know. In this being my life of, of... Yes, no, yes, no, it's crazy, it's perfect, it's good, we're going to die, I don't know, whatever. And that being my life, here's what I know. With all of this happening, I've got to stay on this line. I've got to stay focused on this line because I know where God wants me. Man, God spoke to me, he told me, I know where I'm supposed to go. Man, my mind is playing tricks on me, I've got to stay focused on that line. I just want to encourage you, maybe you're like, yeah, that happens to me too. It happens to everybody. We just don't talk about it. In all the ups and downs of what sounds great and not so great, stay focused on the line. 
Because that line is not changing. That line is true. That line is pure. That line is God's direction in your life. And in all the ups and downs of life, man, keep that focus. Get where God wants you to be. You know, several things could have happened to Rahab. It really could happen to us too because you understand here's the deal. We're all going to go through difficult circumstances. Maybe you're the rarest of the rare and you say, actually, there is nothing going on in my life. It's pretty much perfect right now. Congratulations and let me know how you're doing next week. <laughs> Stuff happens. We all go through things. And you could probably classify it in categories. I don't know. I kind of pick personal, spiritual, relational, you know, there's different areas in our life where, you know, I say raise your hand if you, man, you need some victory in your life, and, and maybe it's a personal, you know, thing that's going on, maybe it's a, a relational thing that's going on, you're just like, God, man, I need you to work this thing out, maybe it's a spiritual thing, you're just like, God, man, I just, I feel dry, and, and you know, you're looking at all this, and like, God, I know where you want me to be, I'm just, I'm living my life on the squigglies, I'm not living my life on the line, whatever the case is. You know, <laughs> If we're lucky, maybe we go through one at a time. Maybe we go through a personal problem or a relational problem or a spiritual problem, but I feel like most of us would probably bat in a thousand. We probably have categories in all three, you know, that we need victory in. But understand, you have some choices in these difficult circumstances. One, it can define you. Some of you that raise your hand today, man, maybe there is, I don't know, again, what it is. Is, is that thing going to define you? Is that challenge, is that struggle, is that going to define who you are? It has great potential to do that if you let it. Secondly, it could destroy you. And maybe you really want this thing. And you're praying to God, like, God, i got to have this thing. Whatever it is in your life, man, maybe... You need a new house. Maybe you need a new car. Maybe you need some new shoes. I don't know. Whatever. And you're like, God, I got to have it. I got to have it. I got to have it. And you don't get it. Well, I'm just done. I'm, I'm, if you're not going to answer that. And it just destroys who you are. Thirdly. All right, so one, it can define you. Two, it can destroy you. But thirdly, it can develop you. Let's look at the example of Rahab. Hebrews chapter 11 is an incredible chapter. And I want to read you the first three verses from there to kind of tell you how important this chapter is. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. It's that kind of chapter. Talking about faith. In Hebrews 11 on verses down in verse 31. By faith, and look at this man, she hadn't lost her name. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. What was in front of Rahab? Hey, it didn't define her. The challenge certainly didn't destroy her. But according to Hebrews chapter 11, I think we could all say it certainly developed her. You know, it's a decision that you're going to make. In your struggles, in your challenges, 
what are you going to do? Are you going to let them define you? Are you going to let them destroy you? Are you going to let them develop you? It's a decision you'll make. And understand today that without Christ, difficult circumstances will define you. And they have great potential to destroy you if you do not know Christ. Man, do you have a faith similar to Rahab? You know, later in, in Joshua chapter 6 and in verse 22, the, 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 the city's overtaken. And they say, go to the harlot's house and get her and her family. Now, just kind of picture this just for a moment. Rahab lives on the city wall. We've established that, right? She lives on the wall of Jericho. The only thing that distinguishes her is there's a scarlet cord that hangs from her window down the wall. The city's destroyed, the walls are leveled, yet somehow in Joshua chapter 6, verse 22, it says, go to her house and get everybody out of her house. They should be okay. What do you think that means? I don't know this. Is it possible that where that scarlet cord was hung, man, those walls dropped and there was one house that stood strong? One section of a wall, one piece of a wall where a scarlet cord was hung down that stood strong? I think it's possible. Understand today, man, there is no victory without knowing the victor. Rahab knew. She said, I know, man, it, the Lord, Jehovah, God, God of heaven, God of earth, that God. I want to close with this today. Man, if you got some struggles in your life, Man, if there's some difficulties you need to work through, I don't want to be a downer to you, but you don't have much of a chance without Christ in your life. I mean, you may heal something or fix something a little bit, but there's lots to come. But I also want to say this. Just because you know Christ doesn't mean you're going to go without struggles or without difficulties. But understand, if you know the true and ultimate victor, there will be victory in your life. Let's pray. God, as we do come to you today and Father, I pray that if there's one in here that, that doesn't know you as Lord, I pray that if there's one in here that maybe they got some struggles and they've just relied on themselves and their own abilities and, and now all of a sudden they're hearing about a God that can help them, a Jesus that they can have a personal relationship with that can lead them and guide them. Father, if there's one today that does not know you as Lord, I pray today, man, I pray today they make it known if they want to be a follower of Christ. Father, for the many in here who would, we would all raise our hand and say, man, yeah, we got some stuff going on in our life. I got some struggles in my life and I'm just going to tell you, I know Christ and I know that without him it's just going to be real hard to get through him. God, I pray you would, man, just use these simple principles that we've talked about and help us apply them and, and at the end of the day, man, just help us see it through because you've got a destination for us. And you've got a place that you want us to be and to serve. And, and Satan wants nothing more than to get us off that line, man, off that track. Satan would love to, for us to live in those squiggly lines instead of in that constant, that steady line that you give to us. So, Father, for those in here, man, that, that maybe they just need a recommitment in, in seeing through what you've called them to do. Maybe there's some in here that says, yeah, man, I, I've been living that squiggly line and, and that, it's tough. And I know where God wants me, but I've just been focused on everything but that. And maybe we regain our focus today.
God, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the example of a harlot by the name of Rahab that gives us some insight into what it means to live a victorious life. Let me pray these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen.